On this episode, we talk eBay, we leave the office and go see Nate, and we answer some other questions that I just can't recall right now. You ask questions, and I answer them. This is the Ask Gary V Show. This is Gary Vay Nerdchuck, and this is episode 90 of the Ask Gary V Show. Very good job by John Troutman here at VaynerMedia, who grew up with me in the wine world, worked at Corked, uh, uh, and uh, has been at Vayner a long time. He, uh, he emailed Stunwin and I, right, Steve, mm-hmm. last night and said, by doing this episode, the Ask Gary V Show has now had a monumental moment. It has now become the second most episode show in my career because the little known fun fact is a thousand episodes of Wine Library TV, 89 episodes of the mobile only Daily Grape. Uh, so now Ask Gary V on this moment makes the big leap to being in the number two spot. Only 911 <laughs> to go to, uh, to match Wine Library. I don't think we'll get there. Let's hope we can get to 11 more and hit, uh, hit 100 or 10 more, I guess this is 90. So, um, feeling good? Good trip to, um, thanks for all of you that followed me on my Snapchat story, my 24 hours to Spain and back. The beard is coming in really nice. I mean, it's really getting there. Uh, and uh, and uh, that's the scoop. So, uh, India, let's get into the show. Don Russo, my question is about the new Fountain app. I um, recently became one of the beta experts in the fashion and beauty part of it, and I wanted to know your thoughts on uh, people using video to ask questions, and do you think that they will pay for it to ask questions and have them answered by an expert? Love your answers. Thanks. Bye. Don, this is a tremendous question with a very important answer. Uh, I, I think that people will pay for anything. Let me say that again. People will pay for anything if they perceive it has value. If there was an Ask Gary Vee show in 1967, and I'd be like, hey, Groovy Cats, it's the Ask Gary Vee show. You know, really excited. Oh, Dawn, you're thinking like, will people pay for water? Are you, that's totally far out. That's no way, like, that would be the wrong answer. What happened was Poland Springs, and I'm sure plenty of people long before Poland Springs, I'm just not educated, on the early days of the water industry, people came along and convinced people that bottled water had value. I mean, you go ask your grandparents, here's a little fun weekend challenge. Go ask your grandparents what they first thought, if they can remember, not because they're old, just like if they can remember, uh, (laughs) what they thought about the idea of people paying for water. Think about how you feel. Steve, how do you feel on the notion that, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but you have, at certain times, paid three to four dollars for a bottled water at an airport or some scenario, you absolutely have done it. What do you think about that? Three dollars for a water in Central Park the other day. And I was really unhappy about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a absolute brain twist. People will pay for answers, even though so many people are watching right now. You have a free show here that you don't pay for answers from somebody very qualified. Thank you very much. Uh, but I do think people will pay. Now, are you good enough? Have you built up enough brand equity and have you created the perception of the value to your answers to have that be the case for you? And more importantly, how many unicorns are there to be able to do that? How many people have built up enough historical execution 
and have charisma and ability to answer how many Jack Welsh's, how many Mark Zuckerberg's, and then more importantly, the people that have actually pulled it off have to be in a very interesting part of their career or enjoy it. I love Q&A so much that I have to do this show for me for happiness, not for the ROI on the time. I'm sure it's building audience. There's a lot of good variables. Sure, there'll be a right hook with the Ask Gary V book. But the truth is, the amount of money I'm gonna make on the book is shorter than if I did six speeches. So, you know, it doesn't make sense mathematically. And so a lot of people that would be good enough to pull off having people answer for them would never want to do that as a business. Like, you know, so I, I think it's an interesting challenge. What I would say is there's probably uniquely a hundred to ten thousand people that look the part, similar to, to be very honest, with as much humility as I can possibly say this, similar to me that can probably pull it off to a meaningful scale. My intuition is there's a lot of people that can get eight people to pay to answer their question, but that's not real. Zach asks, what three questions do you most commonly ask your clients when meeting them for the first time? Zach, wonderful question for everybody in client services, agency life, this should be fun. You know, number one is what is your KPI? What's your key performance indicator? Like what is the thing that you want us to accomplish? Is it views? Is it sales? Is it perception? Is it press? Is it, is it your own judgment on how you feel about the creative? How are you judging us? What are the results? And they're really separate. How are you judging us? What are the results? Are number one A and one B that matters the most? And then really the third one would then be, what are you willing to tell me about your warts? Meaning, there's just a lot of people that are not gonna tell you about the politics that are an issue, the money that's an issue. I'm always trying to get them to be very truthful for, uh, to us once I understand what the issues at hand are. So, what do you really want to accomplish? And by the way, people struggle with answering that. People struggle with answering that. Number two, how are you gonna judge me? Sometimes they struggle with that, less. Number three, what are the warts? Most people don't want to tell me up front. We try to sniff them out early so we can navigate them. And you know, it's, like a, it's a minefield to get to the finish line. Um, those are the three. And, and, they're, and they're very important uh, questions and trying to figure out in every situation, in absolutely every situation, in dating, in building your own business, in having clients. I really think those three are super fun. And by the way, they're very important equally. I think, for example, I think people that struggle with dating are spending way too much on number three. They're so concerned about what the person's warts are, skeletons in their closets. They're not trying to figure out how they're being judged to be a good partner in that relationship or how that's gonna be scored. And so having a great balance of all three, that's a little nugget there. Give me a little fun fact at the end of this question. It's the 33% execution of those three questions that may be equally as important. Yeah, that, yeah that, that got to be a better article because I, I layered that last piece How up. Clients are like What's going on in Meerkat, Steve? Uh, somebody, somebody asked uh, if they're conflicted about whether they should watch live on Meerkat or wait till the episode comes That's a out. really interesting question. Well, what did, what did, both, right? Well, of course, but what did everybody, what did everybody say? In, how many people in there? 180? 232. Good. Yeah. Uh, what do people ask about personal brands today? Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, everybody on Meerkat, get on Instagram, take a picture, Ask the question, hashtag AskGaryV, and maybe you can be on the show. Speaking Suckers. of... Suckers. Oh, no, Kathleen says, speaking of dating, where is Nate? Nate, is? yeah, where is Nate? <laughs> Nate. Let's go see where Nate is. I'm taping uh, AskGaryV, and uh, Kathleen is in Meerkat. I just got a notification. That Kathleen's curious where you are. So here you are. Why don't you give the Vayner Nation you know, two seconds of what you've been doing. Kathleen specifically, but what have you been really doing? 
today? Working on budgets and scopes primarily. I think it sounds Sounds super. very riveting, a lot of spreadsheets, Excel. Are you teaching Alec, young Alex the ropes? Oh, yeah, see, so we got a scope open right there. I love it. Well, don't show the scope. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the show. Thanks, Nate. Yes, I think Kathleen is in Australia. Um, I like that Nate has secret admirers. Get in there. Oh, nice job, Stefan. Uh, D Rock might not get his gig back with that move right there. That was a very smooth transition. Um, uh, Dreams all right. do come true, someone <laughs> Sound Caresser asks Three seconds counting as a view for Facebook video. Moderately misleading metric or incredibly bullshit metric? So, this is a great question, Kevin, but before I get into the question, that picture is adorable. Big shout out. Vayner Nation, you can learn from the creativity of that picture when you ask a question. Uh, Look, I I think first of all, marketing right now in general is a, got a real problem of width over depth, right? So, you know, is three seconds pre-roll view on Facebook uh, bullcrap compared to people buying views on YouTube as pre-rolls that are, uh, you know, I'm not sure if that's one, two, or three seconds, but they're pre-rolls, they're actual ads, whereas Facebook is putting it in feed. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think, look, I don't care about with metrics to begin with. Any brand startup that is saying, oh, this got 8 million views or this got 87 views and that's the definition of success doesn't realize that technology can game that game. And so the, the interesting part is I'm not worried about that metrics. I'm looking at the engagement, the comments, the click-throughs to the product or whatever else you're trying to do or I'm taking the width for the width value. If I want 100,000 people or 500,000 people to at least see my face once in their lives, that three seconds made them do that. It depends on what you're trying to drive. It's similar to question number one on the show today. What is the KPI? If the KPI is the number of views, you should be challenging that as your KPI in a world with YouTube and Facebook counting the way they're counting. Steve, you're smiling. You're enjoying the conversation in Meerkat. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's a good crowd. Good. The Maple Parlor asks, What's your best piece of advice for a first-generation American entrepreneur venturing out on her own, away from her family business? April, first and foremost, uh, India just shared some other photos from your Instagram besides your question, and your product looks delicious. Uh, There's a pretty known thing amongst the most hard maniacs is that when I go on book tour, I always start at Powell's in Portland. So, uh... You know, I'm on this hardcore diet, but uh, I think we may have to sneak in when we do that February, March, April of next year and try you out. You know, look, I think, I think the uh, biggest thing that I tell everybody is number one, practicality. How much money do you have to stay alive for how long? That is always my biggest fear. First time entrepreneurs make this mistake. Do you have one year's worth of rent and overhead? And then you have to make your actions respond to your bleeding of cash before you turn a profit. When you start a new business, especially an ice cream parlor, you know, a, a restaurant kind of, you know, what you're doing, you've got to make sure that you know, you're putting up upfront investment financially, not just time. It's not like you're building something with code. You're literally you know, paying rent and buying supplies. And so you need to have a high level of practicality. The other thing that I tell entrepreneurs that are more practical, again, physical location, you know, it sounds like the way you asked the question, that you're leaving your own family's business and doing your own thing. You know, hopefully it's not competing directly with your own family's business, so there's not some weirdness. Um, I think the uh, thing that you really need to pay attention to is you have made a decision that does not allow you in year one any time to do anything but build your business. You are not allowed, you're almost not even allowed to watch the Ask Gary V show going forward. 
Like you are in such a code red zone that every minute, call it 18 hours a day out of 24, if you want this to be successful, need to be allocated for your business. Uh, you know, even at the mercy in year one of your family time. Even at the mercy of that. And so, I, I guess what I'm getting at, and you can tell by my tone and vibe on this question, is I'm scared, and I think one of the biggest reasons so many people go out of business in the first year, first two years, small business, practical, where they're burning cash, is they don't realize how hard it is and how all in you have to be. And so if you really want this dream to come true, you've gotta make substantial sacrifices. Hey Gary V, Michael Pierce here. And I have a question regarding platforms to sell your merchandise online. I run an online community designed to help other sellers succeed on platforms like eBay, Amazon, and through systems like Amazon FBA. Uh, just recently, probably the last six months, there's been a lot of talk of eBay really going downhill. A lot of sellers are fed up with their fees, and they're really disliking the path that eBay has taken. My question for you is, if eBay doesn't innovate, if they don't change, if they don't get out of this old school mentality, do you think they'll become irrelevant in the next five or 10 years? Do you think uh, places like Amazon will completely take over the entire market rather than just owning a majority of it right now? Name? Michael, great question. Uh, you know, I'm an eBay head, taught AJ how to be an entrepreneur by going to garage sales and selling on eBay. Uh, you know, eBay's become more Amazon-like than what it originally started out, which was sell Pez dispensers and bobbleheads and Beanie Babies. Uh, you know, I actually think there's a huge white space. So I think eBay's doing the right thing, believe it or not, competing a little bit with Amazon. And I do think resellers are struggling with, with it, but manufacturers and people at scale are enjoying it. I think, um, I think what eBay's doing is they're recognizing there's no alternative to eBay in the world. So ironically, I think the white space is, I'm gonna make a prediction here, in the next, and I don't like doing predictions, I always say I don't make predictions, I just follow, but I'm gonna make one. And I, and I failed in a startup called Yard Sale, Mobile eBay, and I may be wrong, and I actually feel pretty weak about this prediction, but I'm gonna make it anyway. I do think, that in the next 10 years, somebody's gonna build eBay again. eBay is so much not eBay anymore that when you look at it, it's all new products. Like I still think there's enormous commerce in used product. And so Etsy took its own kind of crafter mold. Ironically, Etsy just went public yesterday, so interesting timing. Um, eBay is eBay but is evolving more towards Amazon-like, you know, re, you know, overstock retail. Uh, I think there's a huge open space for somebody to build a billion dollar company in literally just becoming eBay again. And I mean restrictions, no new products. Everything on the site is used, you know, used. I just, I think it's a huge play still. Uh, especially with mobile and smart technology, there's so much, I, I'm curious where that goes. So, you know, do I think Amazon could be the entire marketplace? No. Do I think that uh, eBay's gonna go out of business in the next 10 years? No, I actually think what eBay's doing is actually smart for their business until this alternative comes, which may never come. Thus, I'm pretty, I'm pretty uh, positive and so on their direction. And so I think if you guys are resellers or, or certain type of niches, I mean, I've been saying, I mean, me and my homies that sold collectibles said eBay was finished, not as good as it was in 2005. Like, oh, eBay's ruined. That was 10 years ago. Um, so that's my answer. Question of the day, I'm so into eBay. I need, everybody's got one. I need your eBay. You know what, this is gonna be the first time I'm gonna read every single comment over the weekend, because uh, I really love this. Go in depth, Vayner Nation. I need your 
eBay story. Um, also, real quick, quick right hook for everybody listening on the podcast and watching the Ask Gary V show. I need the follow on Instagram. I'm about to do something really interesting, so ping up here. Instagram, if you're not following me, enormous mistake. Username at Gary V-E-E. Uh, and thank you for everybody who, uh, who has given me tons of Snapchat love. I'm enjoying that as well, at Gary V-E-E. 10 more to 100. See you soon. You keep asking questions, I'll keep answering them. Gary, what do you like on your pizza? Uh, historically, since I don't eat it at this point anymore, historically, I'm a mushrooms and peppers guy. Questions from here.